Welcome back to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. We are going on three years now. We've been podcasting three years, and I pray that this podcast has been a tremendous blessing to you and that you are making this podcast your favorite drive time podcast. Let's talk about the journey of obedience. Now, obedience seems to be, in this society, a very negative term. When you say obedience, people automatically catch an attitude. But what if I was to say that there's a secret behind the word obedience that people underestimate? It is the secret of success. Obedience is the secret of success. Obedience is the work that it takes to fulfill the promise. Obedience is the work that it takes to fulfill the promise. Obedience is the process of promise. Obedience is the process or the road to promise. If we are obedient in things, then eventually we will obtain the things that have been attached to that type of obedience. Let's take a moment here just to pause. I want to reflect. I want to reflect on when I was a kid. We're talking about obedience. I was learning how to play football in the fourth grade, and I remember the running back coach taking the ball and slamming it in my stomach, just slamming it in my stomach. I had to hold my hands in a cup position, one up, one down. Well, I had played street ball for, what, two or three years. We didn't do it like that. We just, you know, throw the ball or, you know, kind of get it and you just run with it. So I was not used to observing that particular strategy for handling the ball in a running play. Well, that strategy is the same strategy, that cupping hold is the same movement used by High school football players, it's the same uh, motion used by college football players and NFL football players, but I didn't want to do it, so I quit. I did not want to obey the order. I did not want to subject myself to that type of, uh, at that time in in my life, it was pain. I wanted to do it my way. Just give me the ball, I'll show you that I'm a great running back. You don't have to jam it in my stomach like that. But he was trying to teach me something. He was trying to teach me order. Obedience and order are consequently tied together. And obedience, the combination of obedience and order, brings you into a place of success. So watch this. I move from there to being in the eighth grade. My dad takes me to... uh, a stereo shop i can't remember the name of it now but it was in the harford civic center and they sold you know all kinds of stereo equipment and i'm there in the shop my dad i show my dad this box a box was a we used to call them boom boxes in the 70s and 80s and had these two large sony microphones on either end all kinds of gadget controls on it and it was pretty And I wanted that box. And my dad knew I wanted that box. So my dad said to me, 
He said, do you really want that box? He said, why don't you play it? So I took my uh, Sertron tape, threw in my Parliament Funkadelic Earth, Wind, and Fire, turned it up a little. It sounded so crisp and so good. I had a Max L Gold tape, put that in. It sounded even better. I said, Dad, I got to have this box. He said, I said, you're going to get it for me? He said, sure. We're going to make sure you get it. I said, Dad, seriously? He said, I'm so serious, son. And I've already arranged for you to get it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. This is the moment I've been looking for. It would be the nicest box on my block. He said, I just arranged for you to start working with your next door neighbor and you will be an apprentice in his landscaping business. I was 12 years old. I'll never forget it. I was in the eighth grade and it taught me a valuable lesson that if you want certain things in life, you have to do certain things in life. That's the way life works. It's a universal law. You reap what you sow. Obedience is a type of sowing. It sets order for certain things to happen like a farmer planting seed in the ground. If you plant seed in the ground, nurture it properly, of course, putting it in good ground, but you nurture it properly, you will reap a harvest. What people don't understand today is obedience is a universal law. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. We go to work. Uh, when we get in a, get in a, get a job, I remember working in the federal government for the Justice Department. When they hired me, they gave me a series of onboarding tasks. I had to learn to come under the obedience. Onboarding is simply learning to come under the obedience of the culture of that organization. If you're going to work here, we do it like this. When I worked for a law firm, Finnegan, Henderson, Faribault, Garrett and Dunner, also in D.C., Again, they onboarded me. If you're going to work here, this is how we do it. When I was at Howard University, and I remember my freshman year sitting with the counselor, if you want to graduate, you're going to have to apply yourself, be obedient to A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. These are the electives. These are the required coursework. These are the required exams. This is is the way that life works. If you avoid obedience, you will never be successful at anything. You can be a maverick all your life and never amount to anything. Even if the maverick starts his own company, eventually he or she is going to develop a culture of which all of their employees are going to have to Come under that order, come under that obedience to do what is necessary. So when God asks us to be obedient, we can't lose our mind and think that God is trying to punish us when in all actuality, God is trying to help us. God is trying to instruct us. God is trying to build us up. And we have to understand that. And we have to take heed to that and not look at it 
as some kind of a negative thing out of the dark ages where God is trying to hurt you or disappoint you. That's not how this thing works. So one of my favorite scriptures is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And Jesus simply says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. You know what it means to be weary and to carry heavy burdens is when you are trying to do life by yourself. There are too many people out there just trying to make a way, just trying to work yourself into a frenzy, just trying to do things to get what you want. But when you got what you wanted, did you get what you really wanted? Here's what I'm saying. Don't try to make your own way when God has given us a way. I love Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Come under the constraints. Come under the order. Come under the obedience of my word. Listen to my word. Listen to me, and I will help you become what it is that you think you want to become. Because in all actuality, because I'm God, I know what's in you and what you have the talent and the grace to become. So let me help shape you and get you to the place where you will reach your optimum spiritual and natural success if you listen to me. So again, uh, back to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is an apparatus usually used by farmers. It usually has two animals uh, side by side under a wooden or a metal yoke, uh, which is kind of a hook that keeps them together. And one of the oxes or one of the animals is usually stronger than the other one. The work that needs to be done needs two animals. So the stronger animal usually takes the lead and the weaker animal follows. So when we use this as an example, God takes the lead in the yoke and we just follow. And this is what he says. While you're in this yoke with me, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. I am meek and lowly of heart. Meek. He has strength under control. Let me show you how to have strength, but have it under control. And let me show you that humility is the platform for exaltation. That's me. But humility, Jesus was definitely humble. He was gentle at heart. That's humility. And you will find rest for your souls. In other words, you can take it down a notch and relax because I got this. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. God will not put more on us than we can bear. So let me talk about maturity in obedience, maturity in obedience. Let me say something about God. As many of you are struggling and you've gotten angry with God because God has told you to do something and you did not get the immediate results that you were anticipating. So you quit. It's just like studying the word of God. It takes time to study the word of God and it takes years to get all of the fruit from your studying, but you don't stop studying because you don't get immediate fruit. Sometimes God will tell you to do something, and when you do it, it seems to be detrimental, but God has a plan. His word will never return unto him void. It will accomplish the things that he has set forth 
for it to accomplish. So we just have to go with it. We just have to trust God and lean not unto our own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust God. Trust him. Someone said that with me. Trust God. I want to share a story with you that will help embed this understanding of order, of obedience. This podcast is a message about the journey of obedience, but I want you to understand that the journey of obedience leads to success. Let me say something about the journey of obedience. The journey of obedience is not without blemish. It's not without imperfection. It's not without our own transgressions. Because we are who we are, you put us on a journey, eventually who we are, whether good, bad, or ugly, is going to come out. So, here's the story. I'm going to read this very quickly, and I know this will bless you and whoever you share this with. If you're going through a very difficult time in your life right now, and the enemy is attacking you, sometimes the enemy attacks you because you are obedient, and you cannot quit. Because the enemy attacked you. We have to learn to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Embrace attack. As you grow in levels and dimensions of faith, there will be different levels and dimensions of demonic activity in your life. And you have to embrace it. But if you embrace it, at some point, it will lead to success in whatever it is that God have called you to do. Don't quit. Don't abort. Don't get off the train. Don't die in the wilderness. Don't because God has a plan and the plan is not for your destruction. Are you with me? So here we go. Genesis chapter 26. There was a famine in the land. Here's catastrophe. Here's inflation. Here is high taxes and a negative situation. The famine but the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. In other words, when I was raising up Abraham, onboarding Abraham, discipling Abraham, he followed the established order and the established culture. When you follow and embrace the established order, you come under the obedience of God and God will bless you. Notice Abraham was Isaac's father. He was getting ready to walk in what we call a generational blessing because of the obedience of Abraham. Isaac was getting ready to step in a blessing that was generational. Blessings can be generational just like curses can be generational. If you have a generational curse in your life, 
You want to break that curse. If you have obedience as a generational blessing, then you want to embrace that. You break curses, you embrace obedience. You break curses, you embrace the blessing of obedience. So here we are. Isaac became obedient and he dwelt in Gerar. So anyway, while he was in Gerar, the king, Amalek's men, started asking him about his wife. His wife, obviously, Rebecca was fine. So they asked about Rebecca. And he literally says, this is my sister. But later on in the story, the king sees Isaac with Rebecca in a romantic kind of way. So he pulls Isaac together and says, man, why would you do that? Why would you lie to us? Well, Abraham lied. <laughs> and so now Isaac is doing the same thing. Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife and told her he was his sister. In the same text, there's both generational curse and generational blessing. But just because we mess up on the road to obedience does not mean that God is going to cancel his word. His word goes forth in spite of what we do because his word is not subject to us. On the converse, we are subject to his word. So when his word goes forth, it's going to accomplish what it was meant to accomplish in spite of us. Does that mean we just act crazy and do what we want to do? No. When you sin, you ask God to forgive you, you get back on your horse, and you keep moving. Too many people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which is a consequence of being born and shaped in iniquity and left the faith, or they've seen someone else sin and fall short of the glory of God and left the faith when we need to stay in the faith and pray for our brothers who have fallen short and pray for ourselves who have fallen short to continue the mission. Do not abort the mission because you failed in a portion of the mission. That's what the enemy will whisper in your ears and in your heart and tell you you are unsuccessful. You're too much of a sinner. But God gives us grace and his grace is sufficient in our time of weakness. As a matter of fact, in our weakness, Christ in us is made strong. So stay on the road. Stay on the journey of obedience. So the story goes that eventually Abimelech kicked Isaac out of Gerar. Isaac had to find a place of sustenance for all of his possessions, his herds, his flocks, because for whatever reason, there was such an anointing on Isaac that when he sowed in that land, he reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he was very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great number of servants. So the Philistines began to envy him. Now, the Philistines had stopped up all of the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Amalek said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there, pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father called them. So Isaac literally after being kicked out was retaking possession of the land that 
actually belonged to his father. And in these lands, they dug wells because wells was a thing uh, of sustenance. It was a place of hope. It was a place where he could take care of his flock and take care of his family. When Isaac's servants began to dig the wells, they found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, which means quarrel. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called it Sitna, which means enmity. So watch this. God sends him to Gerar. There's conflict because he told a lie. He gets put out. He goes to establish a living in the place where God had given him. And what happens? What happens is he comes under consternation. Just because God tells you to do something does not mean that the enemy will not attack. So the herdsmen of Gerar attacked him at Esek. The herdsmen of Gerar attacked him at Sitna. But you have to keep fighting. If you are going through a difficult time in your life, you cannot give up. You must keep fighting. You have to fight until you get to the place that God has given you. And sometimes the land that God has given you has been overrun by the enemy and you have to fight through the enemy to get to the place where God is going to continue to flourish and bless you. They dug another well and there was no quarrel over it. It was called Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in this land. But that was not the last well. They were digging for one well, but God wanted to give them double for their trouble. So God moved, told them to move on a little bit. Then he went up from there to Bathsheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear. I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched a tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Amalek came to him from Gerar and Hazar, one of the, his friends and Pichol, the commander of the army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and sent me away from you? But they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent your way in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So that well that was dug at Bathsheba is not only called the well of seven, the well of completion, but the well of oaths. God will make your enemy your footstool if you just hold on to his word. Walk in obedience to what he says. Even if you come into conflict, wherever there are open doors, God's words open doors. Whenever there are open doors, there are many adversaries. 
Do not let the adversaries detour you from coming into the victory that is a response to your obedience. You will be successful in life if you not only read the word, but apply the word, live the word. Obedience is tied to your success. Your success is tied to your obedience. And nothing that anybody does in this world to you can stop you from getting to the place where God has ordained for your life. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in condemnation shall be condemned. Hear the word of the Lord today. You have been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I know this message has blessed you. Now go into the world and influence the nations. God bless.